Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314-436. Is that 436? Yes, it is. 7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, concerns, or comments? And Mr. Kelly. Yes. Uh, you gave me the report on your sunflowers making yes. it through the storm, okay? They did. But how about your bird feeders? What happens when those winds and everything start blowing those things away? Well, the main problem we have with the feeders is they will fall down because the ground gets so soft. And a lot of the ground under them is like leftover seeds from, you know, the birds pull the, the meat out and then you get the little. So it's not really good dirt. Exactly. Right. And so the main problem we have is when it rains, they will fall over or twist or turn or something along those and lines. dump stuff on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we that's, that's the issue with that. But I was surprised when I woke up after hearing the storms. Uh, we were. I actually took pictures of the sunflowers last evening because we were afraid that the storms would knock them over, and then instead of being big, beautiful sunflowers, they're going to be laying there. But they all, knock on wood, came through okay. And wow. so did our Stanley Cup, which I was also worried about. Wow. Yeah, made a Stanley Cup that we put out in the uh, <laughs> in the garden. And it's, you know, it's pie tins and foil. It looks really good, though. And uh, I thought that thing's just going to blow. It's going to be the neighbor's yard. Right. No, it's it's standing stand, uh, proud from 2019. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for so, the update. Everything okay at your house? Yeah, as far as I can tell. I was surprised. Uh, you know, I, I knew it was thunder, a lot of lightning and everything mm-hmm. else. And some of the lightning strikes were fantastic. They went like 180 degrees across the horizon. Wow. Yeah. And it was really, really striking. Mm-hmm. But I didn't uh, realize I it. it went raining this much or the wind was this strong. Yeah. A lot it's of amazing. tree limbs down there. There's one out here right by a car. Yeah, there is. I think the guy's out there looking at it now. Yeah. He's... But anyway, yeah, so a lot of tree limbs down. Yeah, absolutely. So. And hopefully the people get your power back on soon. We'll have an update for you at 9 o'clock. Perfect. Thanks. This is Saturday morning, and we can get together and talk about whatever you like, your backyard, your front yard, what's going on with those plant materials, and especially with a storm like this. How about that specialty garden space? The house plants, oh, I wish I would have put them in a bigger pot because that wind blew them over, and now they're really kind of beat up. But anyway, should you be doing what? When the weather is like this, should you be pruning, improving your soil, How about going after those bugs and diseases? The information I'll share with you uh, hopefully will help you orchestrate a more solid decision 
And but of course, the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. Alex has a cold or something. So when he answers the phone, he's going to sound a little bit like this. But So just be patient and he'll get it. All he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. And by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home doing landscape consultations. If you'd like for me to do that, you can go to my website and uh, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where we can arrange for me to come and do a walk and talk. This past Wednesday, I was at a great house uh, in Creevecore, and today, after the show, I'm going to go back to Creevecore, a different house. So Creevecore is uh, hot in July as far as walking and talking. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I never really know where I'm going to do my good gardening stroll, so I just kind of go out, get in the car, and then drive, and wherever I meander to. So I was kind of headed. There's some um, public garden spaces. Uh, Let's say, I guess it would be hmm, north, no, west of Kings Highway, down between Kings Highway and Hampton, so I was kind of headed in that direction, but all of a sudden I came up at Finkman and Macklin. Well, there's a restaurant there that has some really nice outdoor seating, numerous pots of various sizes with Italian and American flags. There was sage in some of them, junipers, sedums, thymes. Uh, there's solar lights as well, flowering onions, garlic, basil, mint, and some sunflowers too. Well, and nearby, some of the homes had plantings of variegated liriope, nandina, variegated miscanthus, viburnums. But the reason why I decided to stop here is there was a 30-inch caliper linden tree, and the trunk split during this storm. And it was blocking the sidewalk, blocking the road, and everything else. It was just totally unbelievable. And uh, someone had decorated this tree. This tree actually had three trunks originally. One had already been removed, and where the one trunk that had been removed, they put all these decorations and little, you know, gnomes and butterflies and hummingbirds. And there's a lot of people that do decorations on trees at the base and sometimes in a situation like this. There's a car that was parked across the street, but luckily no damage had occurred to it. So the branch as it fell... But this branch was huge. It was like 30, well, actually, it's part of the trunk. And it was uh, 30 plus feet in length. It had all kinds of lichens on it. So it was really, this linden tree was pretty darn old. But uh, there was a gentleman who lived right in that area. He was walking his dog and stopped by. And we talked a little bit. It was like really bad. So I took a look at the actual inside of the trunk. And definitely there was some heartwood rot there already. But this storm was just, I mean, unbelievable. I just had no idea. And, uh, I mean, this linden tree actually had some suckers coming off the base of the trunk. And on on the way over, actually when I stepped out of my own uh, house and took a look at Christie Park, there was a lot of branches down. Again, I didn't realize that a storm was that strong. I didn't hear the winds or anything. And so, I mean, I saw the lightning and thunder, but uh, it was really kind of amazing. But on the way over here, I saw some major trees. 
on uh, if you go north of King's Highway on Magnolia, there along Tower Grove Park, you can't do that because there's a huge tree from Tower Grove Park that's blocking Magnolia. There's several other streets that are blocked as well and major branches on the way down here to the station. And it's not really that far. I think it's about seven miles from, a, you know, from our house or whatever, our home. And uh, I just can't believe the amount of damage there was. I don't know. I must have been in you know, some kind of coma when it was related to this. Because I kept thinking, well, that's a lot of thunder. Yeah. But I'd get up and look out the window, and I wouldn't see that much rain. I wouldn't see that much wind. So I don't know exactly when that occurred. But uh, really kind of amazing. So just be careful if when you head out, if you've got trees in your yard. Now, just if, it look, if they look okay, just realize there may be some major cracks in the trunks or branches or things like that. So don't assume just because it looks okay that there isn't damage to the trees. So just be you know careful and cautious of that. As we look out the window west, we can see some uh, right by Soldiers Memorial Park across the street. A huge limb has fallen down and just missed a car. So those people are really lucky that it didn't. The car were, was not hit by that. But anyway, if you have any questions, concerns, three one four four three six seven nine hundred or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, besides the tree damage that we're seeing throughout at least, you know, South City, I and Brian was talking about various other cities and locations throughout the metropolitan area, there is a lot of stoplights that are out. Why some are out and some are not, I don't quite understand, but it's amazing. But at least, you know, as I was coming down to the station, everybody's being very nice. They're stopping where there's not stoplight, where the stoplights are, you know, gone and, you know, stopping and being courteous to other people. So there's not the people out there ripping through the streets just because the lights are out. They figure, who cares? It doesn't really matter. And so just be cautious out there. It's just like you can go along a street and there'll be two of them that are working. And then all of a sudden you'll see three in a row that are not working. And, you know, I think uh, at 14th and Tucker, the street light does not work there. So, I mean, there's major (laughs) locations and everything else. So just be really, really careful. Let's head to the phones. Let's start with Jan. And she lives in Lake St. Louis. Hi, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am going to try your um, idea of putting flower uh, bulbs in pots. Okay. And I know you said uh, you leave them out over the winter. Right. And I'm I'm working on buying bulbs and buying pots, and I happen to think that perhaps I should not be using potting soil for these. So that's my question. What do I pot these up in? Well, I use potting mix. I don't use potting soil. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I have. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Um, I didn't know if, if the freeze factor had anything to do with the planting medium. No. I mean, I'm. T- are you talking about like daffodils and tulips and crocus yep. and all that stuff? Yep. Because, I, I mean, I do that, but this time of year I have cannas and elephant ears and those type things, and but they don't stay out during the wintertime. I do take those bulbs inside for the wintertime. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the spring bloomers, I've been doing it for decades. Okay. 
Okay, I just wanted to check. I thought, well, I might be doing something wrong because no. I've never done this before. Yeah, so I mean, my pots are pretty good size, so I always make sure there's at least a couple inches between the the perimeter bulbs because I put them in circles in you know on the in in the pot, but mm-hmm. uh, a couple inches between the edge of the pot and actually where the first layer of bulbs go, or first circle of bulbs go. Okay, I shall keep that in mind too. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Sure. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. See ya. And now let's go to Troy, Missouri, and see what's going on with Bob. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Yes, I have a a autumn blaze maple that mm-hmm. was planted this um, spring, about mid-March. And about, oh, I'd say about a month ago, um, the leaves started to turn like a maroon color, which is which is spread you know, pretty much the entire uh, leaves. So I was curious on what your opinion on that was. It's probably just, you know, it's just more or less related to just a stress factor of a new installation. I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. As long as it's still holding onto the leaves, you should be fine. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate um, your answer. Sure. My pleasure. And hopefully the tree was planted correctly and, you know, with the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. And it's like I said, newly installed plant material, it takes them a while to get established. So depending upon how big the tree is, that means it's going to take longer to establish than a smaller tree. Anyway. Okay. Well, I think it was uh, planted correctly. It's got the, uh, like you say, above the ground a little bit. Great. And and it was staked where the wires to keep it upright and all that. Right. So, but so I, so I should have more patience. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for all your, um, you know, for all your answers. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And yeah, it's uh, like I said, newly installed things, and especially this year, it's been so really goofy just in general with, you know, really kind of severely dry spells and then times where we're having constant rain, it's just been un- unbelievable temperature-wise and everything else. So, uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, maybe this time next year I'll call you with some different results. All right, sounds perfect. Thank Thanks, you, Bob. Mike. And now let's go to Althea, and she lives in Jennings. Hi, Althea. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to know how do you care for seedlings? For for what type of seedlings? Um, Zenos. So do you, have you planted them outside, or you got them in pots? No, I just started them in the. Um, I had just started them. I wanted to know what size should they be before I place place them outside. Uh. Well, you just want to make sure you get them outside and get them in a lot of light because if they elongate too much and start stretching, then it's not going to be good. So you want to do it while they're, I would say, if they're two inches, then they should be going outside. And actually in the future, what I would do is I'd just plant the seeds directly outside in the bed space. As long as the soil's been prepared, zinnias are really quite tough. And all you need to do is just kind of sprinkle them on top of the ground and then you don't have to t- you can pat them in a little bit if you want to, but that's not even really necessary. So uh, and then maybe put a 
of a half inch or so of a, you know some kind of compost or mulch over the top of them just as an insulator, and that's really all you need to do. You don't really need to start them inside. If you have started them inside, get them outside as soon as you possibly can, and they want to be a well-drained, sunny location. Okay, what about artificial shade? As far as they don't need shade. They want full sun all day long every day. No, this is for different plants, for coleus. For coleus? Yes. Well, coleus can take sun, too. They don't have to have the sun, but they can take it. But uh, what you asking? How do you give them give them shade if you don't have any? Is that what you're asking? Yes. What are some suggestions for artificial shade to produce artificial shade? Ooh. well, that's kind of tough. Uh, maybe just an umbrella, you know, like a for a picnic table size or something like that. I don't know what else to kind of recommend. Because, I mean, artificial shade, they, they don't necessarily need the shade. They can take the shade. But, uh, I mean, artificial has got to be, you know, something mechanical that you're putting over the top of them. Yes, well, I have a full sun deck. And some of the plants that I like require shade. Oh, yeah, I would say uh, the plants that you like that require shade, put them in a di- someplace beside your deck as opposed to trying to come up. But I, like I said, a big umbrella, like the ones that you know they put but, you know, in a table, those type things would be about the only thing I can think of that's going to work in that situation. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And let's get one more call before break. Let's go to Jackie's yard. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have a pink dogwood that we planted. It was about a year ago, maybe about 10 feet tall. Uh, its leaves kind of are fold in and has a little bit of brown on every tip of each leaf. Am I overwatering, underwatering? Uh, I don't think you're probably doing too much. You uh, Really... Unless we're getting uh, extended periods of no rain at all, no water, you don't really need to, or rainfall, you don't really need to do any additional watering if it's been in a, for a full year. So it should be okay. Okay. And okay. If you well, do, I'm just worried about Yeah. If you do do some watering, basically just run the hose at the base of the trunk and just run it at a trickle for about an hour or so and only do that every couple of weeks when there's no rainfall. Okay. So I don't have to worry about the brown tips. No. I mean, okay. it's it's related to our goofy weather this year. There's been uh-huh, uh-huh. there's okay. been some aesthetic problems. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure appreciate it because I've been worried about it. Okay, good luck with it. And well, pink, thank you so you much. Know, and the pink dogwood it, that is one of the weaker varieties. So just realize that. I mean, they're they're kind of nice and everything else, but uh, uh, they're not really uh, all that robust. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have questions, concerns, or comments related to the storm or not related to the storm, it doesn't have to, I mean, there's got to be some major things that happen to some plant material besides trees, but who knows? You'll have to let me know. Let's head over to Adam's yard. Hi, Adam. Hey, bud. How you doing? Very good. 
Uh, heard your call or your mentioning about Tower Grove Park and everything, and I drove down uh, Magnolia, and we're out here trying to clean the roads up now. Uh, the community's pulling together, and we're trying to get it cleaned up. Great. Well, that's perfect. I mean, that one tree, you know, the one tree that I saw just, uh, I guess it would be east of King's Highway, that was a major tree that, you know, right there. Yeah. Well, I might go get my chainsaw and see if I can't do something unless the city's going to come out and do it. But, uh, you know, whenever you put a call out on the radio like this, you know, the community helps out. Perfect. Well, thanks. Thanks for your help. Well, I do have another question. Okay. I got some sunflowers that are starting to bud. But I got uh, uh, morning glories growing up around it. Uh-huh. Are them morning glories going to st- stifle out that uh, sunflower? No, not at all. Sunflowers are pretty tough. All right. And uh, if I water them less, will the roots go deeper so they stand up stronger or water's good? No. You know, they're not, they don't need a whole lot of water anyway, so... The amount of watering is not going to impact. The only time it would impact the you know plant materials if you didn't water enough, then the root systems would just dehydrate on their own. But as long as All you right. just do normal watering, that's fine. All right, that sounds good. We got to get back to work, bud. Yep. Well, good luck and thank you for your efforts. All right, thank you. Bye. And now let's go over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hey. Good morning. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment about well. I uh, had just had dinner last night at uh, Winesto over there uh, off Kings Highway. Beautiful uh, restaurant, but uh, not good to hear about those trees down. Um, but want to make a comment. McKnight and Tillis Park are an absolute mess over here in uh, Mid-County. So many trees down. There was a tree down that's blocking like half of McKnight right at McKnight and Lissinger. They actually got a bobcat out here. Uh, trying to remove it. Lots of broken fences. It's like a wrought iron fence all the way down. So, um, yeah, pretty bad damage. And then I was listening to Adam's phone call about the sunflowers and just wanted to remind everyone in the listening area about Columbia Bottoms. They're starting to bloom their sunflowers, and they're going to – they planted a bunch of different plots, and they're going to be open until uh, mid-August. So be sure to – everyone needs to go check those out. It's a, a beautiful – a uh, little hidden gem here in the metropolitan St. Louis area. So, yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Have a great day. Thanks for all that you do. Well, great. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And now let's go over to Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I slept right through those storms, so I'm <laughs> glad to hear of all the mess. <laughs> um. What I have in my front yard is a new planting from May. I bought a panicle hydrangea tree that's about four foot tall. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what my watering routine should be because I've gotten conflicting answers and I have a few yellow leaves underneath and I'm a little worried about it. Yeah, a few yellow leaves is, yeah, I mean, you could expect that because just our screwy weather and everything else. And you're bringing something from a nursery, which is, I mean, basically taking care of the plant, you know, 24 hours a day, even though there's not people there 24 hours a day. So just anticipate that type of thing, but just make sure it doesn't go through any kind of drought stress. So prior to this rain today or last night or whatever, things were getting pretty dry. I don't use a rain gauge per se in my yard. 
what I do is I have a type of sedum, sedum acre, A-C-R-E, and I just watch the color of that. And this is just me, myself, and let's say nobody sure. else. And when the color, when it it's well watered and everything else, even though sedums do not necessarily need a, a lot of water, they're dark green. But they start to get more and more pale even when they get drier. So once they get to a certain point that I know that not only they – you know, the sedum needs water, but everything else does. Now, I water my pots on a routine basis, but any kind of plant material, just kind of watch it, and uh, especially anything new. Uh, if we have like four or five days, and especially if it's a windy day because that's going to dry the soil out, uh, run a hose out there and run it at a trickle at the base to soak the root ball. Yeah, that's what I've been doing, and about how long would it take how long should I let that trickle go? Uh, probably, you know, depending upon how how much your trickle is trickling, um, any place between a half hour and, you know, an hour, you know, every X amount of days. Okay. So like once a week should be what adequate. I've been doing, so. Perfect. I hope, hope um, and I've just been feeling the top of the base, like around the trunk, digging under my mulch and seeing whether it's, wet or I can stick my finger in it. Is that? Yeah, you could certainly do that. Reasonable? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear it. The tree's beautiful right now. It's blooming. And wow. I just wanted to make sure those yellow leaves weren't an indicator of my over or underwatering. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just nature and our screwy regional weather. Well, that's for sure. This year, it seems in particular. Right. But well, thanks, All right, Judy. Thanks for your advice. Sure. And now let's go over to Norm's yard, and Norm lives in Crevecore. Hi, Norm. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. We have these tall, old oak trees in our yard. They're probably 80, 100 years old, for all I know. One of them looks like it's dropping a lot of leaves. This is before the storm, not from last evening. Right. I just was wondering if that's something that we should take a look at or be concerned about i mean the tree's got plenty of leaves on it but it's just something that's just very noticeable that it dropped a bunch of leaves in one area well it seems like uh the oak trees are doing that this time of year throughout the you know a lot of different places i go and even in my own neighborhood and the squirrels are part of it so if any of these that have you know that are dropping just take a look at the end of the the branch or the twig and if it's like at a 45 degree angle then that's a squirrel that's cut it off and the squirrels are, you know, even though it's still, let's say, summertime, they're trying to figure out how to build nests and, they're, you know, they got to chew. So that a lot of times they're just chewing on stuff. And then sometimes they're broken off, you know, where the galls are. So I've seen a lot of trees that have, you know, started within the last week or 10 days or so, started to drop more debris than they had dropped earlier. It'd be a lot of squirrels. I mean, these are huge trees. I mean, it's. Uh... <laughs> but you have to think they don't have anything else to do, <laughs> except go find you know your sunflower seed that you put out for the birds, and then have a you know have a lunch and that type of thing. So what you're saying is it's it, it's not nothing to be overly concerned about. I mean, it's plenty leaves on the tree. It's right. Just, like I said, it just it was just it's noticeable, and it was. You know, it's been the last couple of weeks I've kind of noticed it. Right, so I like I, I said, would give you a call. Yeah, the say, you know, like I said, I've really noticed it in about the last uh, ten to fourteen days or so that uh, right. more and more are showing up. Right, that, that's that's where we are. So, okay, well, 
we'll, uh, as always, we appreciate your help and guidance. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And now, why don't we take a break? Mike Beller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, I know today would be a good day if you wanted to get out, if it's not raining or anything. And if you do hand weeding, since the ground is moist, it's really easy to get the weeds up out of the ground. So perfect time to get out there. You should try to get them done or get them get rid of them either with an herbicide or hand weeding before they go into flower and then start dropping seeds because that just means next year's problems. So let's go over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, uh, Campsville, we have uh, your comments. I have a question about iris that I heard you talk about, and I need some advice. But uh, on the trees, the oak trees, about a year and a half ago, the Farm Week magazine put out about the oak, red and black oaks, are having a blight. Oh. And uh, it's affecting my cousin, has a lot of timber. I do, too, or did have. But I have a one black oak tree out here, and it's got some some of the leaves look kind of weird last year and this year. So far, it's not took it down or anything. Mm-hmm. There's also the sycamores for two years have had all of their bark in the spring of the year that peels off. And they're totally white. They look funny, like a birch for a while. Uh, but they come back. They claim they're going to make a comeback. But right. they're really, uh, that's something that um, a lot of people don't notice. And you look over and see a group of them and you think, boy, they're dying. There's, they're bare. And then eventually they do come back. Yeah. I don't know what the overall outcome of that will be, uh, you know, longevity. Um the same way with the oak and the red oak. I understand that some of them will die out like the ash trees did up my hollow here where I live. And uh, anyway, my other question was, you were talking and I missed it the other day about iris. And uh, I planted, transplanted two years ago. I had them in the wrong place for a long time, yellow. And I didn't know it, found out there were some brown ones that came complimentary. So I planted them to a nice place. And last year I had beautiful six in a row of the yellow iris, and right down what I'd surmise, I had six beautiful brown ones. This year, I got the yellow ones plus the old-fashioned blue ones over the rock wall. They're fine. But the brown ones did not bloom, and I checked them. I think they're still above ground. And I don't know whether anything would have done frost or why those yellow ones did fine, the brown ones didn't didn't bloom at all. Yeah, that's you know that's kind of a tough call, but uh, you know that variety, the, the brown one that you're speaking of, is not necessarily a really strong variety. So uh, it's just going to be a hit and miss. The weather wasn't good for it, so it just didn't bloom this year for you. Probably. Not, well, I didn't know I even had them when she first gave them to me. My cousin down in Blue Spring, not Cedar Cedar Hill, uh-huh. she's had them sent to me from out in Oregon. Ah. And I, I planted them in the wrong place and too much moisture and too deep. And finally, two years ago, I got enough of it and I dug them up. One first time, they bloomed the yellow ones and then in the fall, they bloomed the brown ones. Wow, great. And so then, only one or two, then I discovered I had them. So when I transplanted, I played the game of I think these are the in front of the yellow. And I did that and they're beautiful. They popped right up. I got an inch and a half or so above the ground. The brown ones, I did the same thing, and sure enough, they were all the brown ones. And yes, last year I took pictures of them, and uh, 
neighbors even came to see them. They'd never seen chocolate. <laughs> right. So anyway, but this year, and we had that heavy, heavy frost. I didn't know if that might have done something to them because they're not as big as the yellow ones. Right, and they're not as strong. That variety is just not as strong. I don't even think you can find that one for sale in, like, retail circumstances here. So, uh, yeah, probably not here, but right. I tell you that catalog out of Oregon, my oh, gosh, of course, about right. 300 varieties. <laughs> sure, right. Well, great. Well, but, thanks, uh, Lou. Yeah, that's something on those oak trees. I don't know what to think. Uh, I look at mine out here, it almost looks like it was struck by lightning once, too. But I have a regular white oak, and it's doing okay, right? But the, the red or black one, when my cousin planted it years ago. It's got a streak down, and I think it's a lightning strike because I have it on pine tree out here too. But uh, that those leaves are getting—they went through a stage again of curling up and dropping off. The more so on the oak trees now, but the sycamores are the first thing in the spring where they really look pitiful for a long time. Right, they sure do. They, they're pretty because they're totally white. <laughs> right, and also and, the sycamores this year had anthracnose, so they had a you know a pretty much a vascular disease which. Kind of set them back, so that was part of the yeah. problem too. And that's two years because they were that way last year up in here too. You go down along the Illinois River Road and all going down through, and all you see all those sycamores, and they're just they're cleaned off now. They're all white. And they're, right. They look like a spruce. Right. So, all right. Well, I'm on those iris. I guess I just got to sit and see what happens. Yeah. Just keep your fingers crossed. Yes, in next year or so. so. Right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, good luck with that. And I probably won't try to squeeze another call in because uh, anyway, if you want to have some uh, additional seeds, so you can plant some Xenia seeds, Cosmos, Alyssum, uh, Marigold, Cleome seed, get them in the ground, you know, or in the pots. And this would be the time of year you should be making your last pinch back on your chrysanthemums. So you can have a nice thick, you know, dense plant, you know, a mound or whatever. And also it should increase the amount of uh, flowers that you're going to have. And then it pushes the bloom period back and makes it a little bit later in the season. So that's kind of the advantage of doing that. And make sure that any kind of annuals, whether they're in pots or in the ground, that you keep fertilizing them and you fertilize them every two weeks. That's going to keep them looking as more as robust as they possibly can. So don't mess around with that. Uh, your strawberries, your June-bearing ones, they're finished. So any, if you need to, like, change the amount, <laughs> the amount of runners and everything else, this is the time of year you want to do it, so right after they've finished flowering. The ever-bearing ones will continue to you know, bear fruit all the way for another couple weeks. But uh, So just be cautious of that. Don't do any kind of fertilizing at all. On your cool season lawn, I don't care what anybody says. Not on fescues and bluegrasses, just don't do it. It's uh, problematic. It's going to force some real trouble later on for it, even though this is a time of year when they're basically, I don't want to say dormant, but pretty much dormant because of the heat and everything else. And you fertilize them, you could cause some growth later on that could be real trouble. Uh, with your, I always read that they say for zoysia, the warm season grasses, you should set your mower at like two inches. That's way too short for me. I just think that's uh, kind of crazy. I th I have my mower set at like four inches, and uh, some 
And sometimes I actually raise it up to four and a half. And I just find that's the, the best length for, because I want a maximum amount of length of the blades because the blades, that's where the food is made. It's like the leaves on the plant material and everything else. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. So have you talked to Sue? Uh, This morning, yes. So... No damage around no. your house or anything? Apparently everything looks good. Wow. Yeah. She uh, she gandered out the window and was also pleased to see the sunflowers still standing. And so <laughs> we're good so far. Oh, those sunflowers. <laughs> she slept through it. I didn't sleep through it. I woke up for the storm, but she she slept right through well, it. Well, I, I was looking at, you know, we got a lot of TV screens in here and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they showed some of the wind speeds at various areas. Some of it was like 60 and 70 miles an hour. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Really? Yeah. Lambert, it was 70. I saw one of 71. One, can't remember exactly where that was. But, yeah, 70-mile-an-hour winds are kind of what uh, they were saying. I think they died down. We're down south. Right. We're 22 miles south of the arch. So I think by the time it got down there, it had, had slowed down a little bit because right. a lot of the damage is is St. Charles County, Warrington, that kind, that area, the north, north even. North. Yeah, we're right. Mark Twain Lake. They said the, the docks up there at one of those uh, marinas was pretty heavily damaged. So Really? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, they kind of lost a little strength as they headed south. We'll see what happens today, though, because we're going to probably get <laughs> right. them again. Yeah, it kind of looks like the sky's, you know, loosening up mm-hmm. a little bit. So maybe we can have a, a breather before the next wave. Well, I don't know if the blue I'm seeing up there is a good thing or not, because if it gets <laughs> hot again, if it gets sunny, then we get bigger storms probably. True, so right. I kind of hope for a cloudy day. Oh, great. So, well, yeah. thanks, Brian. You're welcome. And, folks, thanks to you for having me on your show. And uh, remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds related to annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take to have success but it's strictly offered for you to consider. And across the big board, Alex, he's producing today, just like uh, usual, but he's got a little bit of a cold, so be careful hearing-wise and everything else. So when you call in, just tell Alex, I hope you're feeling a little bit better. Anyway, during the week and weekends, I spend time doing landscape consulting, so I come to your home and take a look around and whether it's aesthetic or problem-solving, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. My email address and phone number there are listed, and I can come and do a walk and talk at your home. After the show today, I'm headed to Creve Corps. And uh, I'll share 40-plus years of experience as it relates to your landscape or your individual situation. And the tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation This made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. City Parks, they have people that drive around and empty the trash, you know, trash cans outside or along the sidewalk and everything else. And uh, one of the gentlemen just right outside, we could see him pull up and he was 
emptying some of the trash cans, but also he took time to pull one of the big major branches off the street. So anybody that's going to do anything extra to help out, you know, getting this whole thing kind of straightened up and cleaned up, uh, the tip of trial goes out to them because it is going to be a lot of major work. The city of, you know, individual companies, individual people, uh, tip of the trial goes out to you. So it's going to be, like I said, I had no idea that that storm was what it turned out to be until I got up and started seeing all, all this debris and stuff. It's, it's caught me totally by surprise. So anyway, tip of the trial to everyone who has to deal with all this crazy stuff. That I know they kept saying there was going to be a storm and everything else, and I kept thinking, gosh, there's a lot of thunder, a lot of lightning, but I didn't see any branches moving or anything at all. It rained for a little while at our house, and then it stopped. And there was no rain at all. So I thought, well, I guess it's all over. So then I went to sleep. <laughs> and little did I know when I woke up what it was going to be like. Let's see if we can get a call or two in before we go to break. Let's go over to Ray's yard. Hi, Ray. Yeah, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. That's good. Listen, we have a tiger eye sumac, and it's about three years old. And it's about eight and a half feet tall. And it, this, this year, it's really sort of, I mean, grown very vigorously as far as that's concerned. So that right now, the, the tree is sort of tilted a little way from the, from the house. It, it's trying to get the sun, and I, I know right. what it's trying to do. But uh, so can I trim that now, and how much should I trim it? And uh, I guess... When should I trim it? I guess that would be a thing. Yeah, probably trimming is going to be best done when you're coming out of wintertime, so before the okay. growth begins. And that way everything is sort of set to make it through wintertime. So sometime after Valentine's Day, mid-March, that would be the time to do it. Okay. And listen, as far as that tilting, it, should I get that braced or, or just... Uh, or just let it be as it is? I just let it be. Because if you start to try to pull it back, you could cause some problems with, the, you know, just the trunk in general. So, I mean, the, the plant is, like you, you know, is leaning to get more light. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, you're more or less being in a situation where you kind of be starving it because you're saying, I don't want you to have that much sunlight. I want you to be straight up. So forget the straight up. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate your program. Thank sure. you very much. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's head over to Phillip's yard. Hi, Philip. Hi, Mike. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. I formerly had a very beautiful magnolia tree in my backyard. And one year I noticed out of the side of the tree, a dwarf started growing that was just as pretty as the magnolia. However, it did not ever blossom and have flowers. It grew to about four feet tall, and then the tree itself, Mike, started to deteriorate. And I'm not blaming the dwarf that was coming out of the, 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 the root system, I'm thinking, not quite in the ground. Then the tree actually died. The dwarf remained, and, and the, the, the tree deteriorated in terms of it, it turned brown, it looked like it was going to come back, and then finally... A uh, storm hit, and it kind of got uprooted, and I took it down. The root, or the dwarf grew to about 12 feet, and now it's going through that same syndrome. 
And what I see out there is kind of a a film or, or something that's in my ground or something that has like a fungi or fungus type looking. And so I don't want this dwarf that grew to about nine feet tall. Now it's starting to deteriorate. Um, I don't want to lose it too, but it's the top of the tree is, it has lost its leaves and it's, it's like, it's trying to hang in there, but it is dying. Well, Does that be- sound familiar at all? No, not necessarily, but it definitely is related to, you know, the situation that this particular variety has been planted in. So do you know which variety of magnolia this is? Is it a white-flowered so, uh, one? Is it purple? Is it, it is a white-flowered. Yeah, definitely. so that's a, you know, that's a star magnolia if it's one that blooms in the springtime. Now, there is sweet bay magnolia, which is a white-flowering one. It can take a wetter soil location. So if you end up getting rid of, the, let's say, the one that you have— you might think about putting a sweet bay if you want another magnolia in there. It does bloom in the summertime as opposed to the springtime, but it can take a wetter soil circumstance. And so I think just the, the trees just kind of in general do okay, and then what happens is they finally, the root system just deteriorates to the point where, you know, it's been rotted out by the, you know, the wet soil circumstance. So... If but let's say this, and I understand exactly what you said that, that the wet soil. So, am I overwatering it? Is that what you're stating? I, I mean, I hardly ever have to water the even my yard. It seems like this last couple of years we've had good rain, and every once in a while I'd get out of it really looked bad and would water. Right. But my concern is more this fungi or. Uh, film that's kind of on it. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Well, the fungus is only there because of the moisture level. So what you would need oh. to do is improve that soil, adding compost to it, raise the level of, the ah. beds of that area up a little bit, and you know okay. that would be a way to counteract you know this sort of like more or less film fungus or whatever is actually growing. Okay. No sprays like hydrogen peroxide. No, I read don't. And okay. You're better no, off to... Okay. Yeah, you rather than that's kind of treating as a symptom rather than actually treating the circumstances causing it. Okay. All right, I'll look at getting some compost around and see if that helps. Yeah, just mix it in with the existing soil. Don't just lay it on top of the ground. So just understand that's the best way to go about it. Okay, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Yep, my pleasure. And, uh, Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And Todd, thanks for hanging on. So, Todd, how are you today? Doing great. My mom lives in northwest Arkansas, which has similar weather to us. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of the heart, the same heart freeze we had, she has a three-year-old cherry tree that had no leaves but was full of buds uh-huh. the tree's been very healthy and it's like it's and after the freeze what you see today is what we saw three months ago there's no leaves the buds are exactly the same as they were before the freeze Ooh. but but the limbs are still flexible um, we're not we're not thinking about cutting it down i'm guessing this is a uh, you know wait and see kind of thing but uh, we're a little nervous about it yeah i would say you i mean the flexibility will stay even after if the tree you know if the cherry tree is dead 
it takes a while before a branch is going to get brittle. So, I mean, you could leave it, but uh, if it hasn't leafed out or anything, that's not a really good sign because it has to have the leaves to stay healthy in general. So to, let's say, go through the entire growing season naked uh, with no foliage to produce any kind of food for it, chlorophyll, which is the food you know plants make, plant foliage makes, is uh, not a good sign. Yeah, and it's interesting. We, she had a lot of you know perennials and, and and shrubs like azaleas that you know were beaten up just just as bad badly, but um, they've all come back. Right. This is this, the biggest the, the biggest uh, patient in the yard is uh, still not back. No. Yeah, and it's uh, it was probably I'm not saying it was not in great shape. It probably was. It's just that the weather was just, I mean, every plant is going to be impacted by the weather, even though they're all experiencing the same weather, you know, in that same location. It's just some plants can make it through better than other ones. And this cherry tree didn't make it so well. Well, the other things was able to withstand it. We planted these three when she moved there five years ago or three years ago, two uh, maples and this cherry the other two maples have been hit by lightning, and they've Ooh. made it. Wow. And um, so I guess we're hoping, beyond hope, that this one might pull out of it. But it doesn't feel very good. No, it doesn't. I would say just keep your fingers crossed, and uh, good luck with that. Good deal. Thanks a lot. Yep. Sorry. I wish I had a sort of magical incantation, but uh, uh, no. Let's go to Joan, and she lives in South City. Hi, Joan. Hi, Mike. Hi. I was wondering, is there something going on with pin oaks this year? Um, my neighbor has a gorgeous pin oak, spent thousands of dollars having it trimmed and treated with galls for galls, mm-hmm. and it's looking awful. Really? Yeah. It, the leaves are getting yellow, and it's really not, it didn't fill out this year. And some of the other pin oaks in the neighborhood are the same way. Well, there, you know, I mean, there are a couple different diseases that are impacting them. It's not quite as bad as it was for the ash trees, but there are some, some of the red oak group is getting, you know, has had some problems. And it sounds like this, you know, your neighbor has exactly what that problem is. And there's not really too much that can be done. Oh, no, she won't be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, you could. Have Tim, you know, tell her to call Timberline Tree Service and have them come out. But from your description, that she's done everything she's done up to this point, and it's still on that downhill. Well, let me ask this too: How old is a tree? How big is it? It's huge. Yeah. And if it was planted when those homes were built, they're probably built in the forties or fifties. Right. So it's probably seventy years old. Yeah. So that could be a factor too. So it's just like you know me at seventy-two years old. Uh, my ability to withstand all the, let's say, problems, you know, people can get, inse- you know, I don't want to say insect-wise, but disease, fungus, and everything else is going to be reduced by simply the fact of my age, and that's the same with trees. All righty. Well, she asked me to call you and ask. I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Debbie's yard. Hi, Debbie. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your show. I just had a question. Um, what do you know about little leaf linden trees? I saw some in Germany several years ago, and I was wondering um, if they could be planted in this area. 
Well, little leaf lindens, yeah. I mean, the linden in general, I mean, they grow. So there shouldn't be a problem with that. Do you bought them in Germany? No, I didn't. I saw some in Germany. Oh, you and saw them. Yes, and I was trying to locate some here in uh, Missouri and Illinois, and I haven't have had no luck getting them from any uh, nurseries. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. I was. Could you suggest a nursery that might carry them? Uh, see, you're in Illinois, so I would say, hmm. Let me. Th- How about Market Basket? Okay, all right, I will check there then. And then if they don't have them, ask them if, you know, maybe that variety doesn't do well here, and that's why the nurseries are not carrying them. But uh, try Market okay. Basket. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Yeah, I would think they'd be okay, but uh, who knows? Anyway, let's go over and see what's going on in Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, how you doing today, Mike? Very good. So... What do you recommend? How much topsoil needs to be, uh, I guess, it's loosely put down uh, prior to uh, Kentucky bluegrass fescue sod? Well, you you shouldn't just lay it on top of the ground because you're going to create a, you well, know, know. T- two different layers, and it's going to make it very difficult for the sod to penetrate past the topsoil and get into the existing soil. So you're going to have to mix the topsoil or topsoil compost mix or whatever you end up using with the existing soil before you lay the sod. So you can't just lay topsoil down and then, you know, lay sod on top of that. So um, how much topsoil mix would you need, though? Probably if you added, depending upon how bad your soil is, have you had, first of all, have you had a soil test done to find out what your soil is? And no. if, if not, if you're going to invest a lot of money in sod, I would get a soil test done. You can take the soil sample to the University of Missouri Extension. They have an office in Kirkwood. And find out what the nutrient level, find out what all kinds of other very important factors. And then you'll probably end up adding about one to two inches at the most of a topsoil or a topsoil mix with the existing soil before you lay the sod. Okay, sounds good going to be a lot of work well yeah it always is <laughs> you're absolutely right <laughs> well good luck with that tom all right thank you very much sure and now let's go over to carol's yard hi carol hi mike thanks for taking my call sure um i have a i just noticed about two weeks ago that uh the leaves on my 40 year old hard maple tree are turning yellow at the very, very top of the tree. So I started looking at the trunk, and I noticed that uh, the bark is kind of pulling away from the trunk on the west side of the tree, and it's splitting. I mean, you can pull it out. And I was a little bit afraid that maybe insects could get in there, or what could I do to help this tree along? I hate to lose it. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, the bark splitting... If, you know, if you're not seeing, I mean, that's how trunks get bigger is the bark that's there existing has a split. So because the trunk is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I wouldn't think that's too much of a concern. And if the tree's been healthy up to this point, just the fact that you're getting this, you know, discoloration on the top of the tree as far as the foliage goes 
is just an indicator of this particular tree in this situation with the weather that we've had this year more so than so, as long as it, you know the the amount of leaves and everything else look good then i think you're okay so i shouldn't pull that bark away just let just leave it there and yeah, let it fall right off it'll on just i mean that's just how bark grows i mean okay. or trunks grow Okay, well, I've never had any trouble with that tree, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to lose it. Yeah, I don't think you sh- you should have a problem now. During the winter time, if you want to do something called deep root feeding, that's where you actually get an electric drill with an earth auger drill bit and auger some holes around it, and backfill those holes with compost. So, in other words, you're filling, you're feeding the soil, and then the soil will in turn feed the tree. If you want to do that, that, that would be about the only thing I'd recommend. Okay, well, thank you. Those are good suggestions. Great. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. See ya. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones, and we're headed to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Oh, Craig. Yeah, hi, you? Mike. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, um, I was just calling. You probably answered a lot of questions about boxwoods, and uh, I have several in a commercial environment, and uh, they've kind of gotten out of control and and that, and I was uh, wanting to kind of bring them back a bit uh, or bring them back a lot. I'm just not sure on how aggressive I can be with boxwoods uh, on a a cutting back and what's the best time to do that. Basically, you want to do it as we're coming out of wintertime. Don't do it in the summertime. Don't go it in going into wintertime because if we have a severe winter, then you're going to get you know death due to it, where the tips would you know may get killed as well. But mm-hmm. if you've already cut those off, then you're going to get more damage done to it than if you would just leave it. So, best time is uh, like I said, sometime uh, February, March, and uh, if you cut more than a third off then you, you're taking a big chance on just kind of, you know, getting rid of them. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I was afraid of. And so I, I'm thinking to myself, well, uh, do I do that or do I uh, uh, wait and pull them all out and, <laughs> and get some new ones in there? I guess, uh, the, the, you know, guess you can try it and see how they work. Right, but, exactly. Um, and then because you, know, you can so, always take them out if they don't, if they don't yeah. make the transition well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they... they they are pretty hardy in that. So, um, but uh, no, I appreciate the, the advice there. So, sometime in March, uh, uh, end of winter, and, and uh, cut them back and see how they do. Right, exactly. Any, any fertilization necessary? Uh, they basically, that? like, since they're broadleaf evergreens, they want to have a fertilizer that has iron and sulfur in it. So, but okay. to, fertilizing right after pruning is not necessarily something you want to do. Okay. All right. Well, I'll prune them back up in March uh, sometime, and we'll, we'll see how they do. Thanks so much for your uh, for your advice. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Mick's yard. Hi, Mick. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Hi. Um, well, my concern is about the lack of bees and other insects this year. We have pretty much a pollinating-type yard, garden spaces, um, we have everything we need. We're seeing very, very few bees, um, very few butterflies. I, I see the little white ones. I, I don't. Yeah, the moths. Don't see any of that stuff? Not many moths. No. No. Um, we've had, you know, monarchs have passed through here, and the big swallowtails. Uh, we had quite a few of those two years ago, and all we see are the little white ones. Um, 
Also, I, I, I'm a courier. I drive about 750 miles a week. There are no insects at the end of the week on, on my windshield. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not here. Right. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It, you know, it's just that last, my thought was that late freeze, a lot of them had yeah. already started hatching, and so they were larvae and they were killed off by the cold. But, I mean, lightning bugs, there's a lot of things that the populations are very, very low, very much down. And so, I mean, we're getting a few bees. You know, I have a lot of sunflowers and stuff, but uh, a few bumblebees mainly, and uh, not li- not like usual. Yeah, we've we've got the big bumblebees. We're we're set up with uh, bee balm and and the cone flowers, ah. uh, water source. You know, we've got water for everything. It it just this should be the mecca for bees and butterflies here, right? And maybe one or two hummingbirds at a time, right? Yeah, Brian Kelly yeah. said they've had quite a few hummingbirds. He lives over in Illinois. Not that that makes that much difference. But I see your phone number well, from I'm Illinois too, right? Yeah, Glen Carbon, and and we have five five feeders. We have five hummingbird yeah. feeders, and they just one or two, right. you know, and they used to chase each other all over the place, right? Oh, I'm I'm concerned about the insects. We remember you used to pull into a gas station and scrape them all off your windshield <laughs> before you could drive. Yeah, you don't see anybody I clean mean, their windshields. None. There right. are none. Right. Right. So there's. Well, you don't have an answer, huh? No. Other than, <laughs> it was nature. I mean, the, I think it was that late cold snap that you know caught them and you know kind of. Yeah. Well, I guess all we can do is try to fortify what is here. Right. And and provide for them that way. Exactly. Um, well, okay. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm just. Perplexed. Okay, but I I thank you for your help. You've always been there. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, that's my guess, but uh, I can't think of anything else that has been that much different other than what the weather has done this year with that late, like I said, that late cold snap. Yeah, man, that that hurt. We we did take all our outside plants and had to cover them, and I still lost a bunch. Right. Okay, well, right. we'll just we'll keep feeding what we have and hope for the best next year. Yep, that's all we can do. So, All right, uh, thank you, Mike. Yep, thanks, Mick, and let's go over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. Hey. How are you doing today? Very good. Um, hey, I've, I live on some property that is kind of long and skinny-ish, and the back part of it I leave in natural, and uh, the front part I use for grass and horses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I have some orange butterfly weed, as it was explained to me. And last year I had, and the year before, I had a tremendous amount of monarchs and other butterflies that hit that. And uh, and I think I just got the answer on why the, the population's down this year. But right. what I want to do is move some of these closer to the house. And I now have access to some pretty heavy-duty digging tools. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how much do I need to take with these butterfly weeds to 
it'll move them up and put them near the house so that I can attract the butterflies up here. Well, basically, if you go more than, you don't need to go more than like six inches deep. So you don't need a big, okay. pe- so you don't need like a big bobcat or anything like that. Just the timing, make sure okay. that you're going to do it, you know, at the right time. So the best time to do that would be sometime in August or let's say up to mid to late September. Get it done before, you know, by then. Get it before then? Or, so yeah. I could do it now or do I no, need to No, no, no. Don't do it going into summertime. I mean, this is the summer's just started. So you want to do it while the, right. you know, when they're going to get the root systems to still get time to establish because the ground's warm and then they get to go to sleep for the wintertime. Okay, so I'm not I'm not for sure. Am I? Is it okay to dig them up now and move them and put them up here or not? No, don't do it now. It's too much. It's too much. We don't know what the weather's going to be like summer wise, and it could really stress them out, and it could send the you know the colony or whatever downhill. So just do it. Normally, you want to transplant perennial type plants in the late uh, late summer, early fall. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go mark a bunch of them so I know where they are. Right. The, the orange usually falls off. And I'll uh, I'll dig some of them up and bring them up this fall then. Yep. So, like I said, mid to late you. August, you know, all the way up through mid to late September. Okay. Super. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Elias, how are you today? Oh, here. Elias. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, Dahlia still in the bag. I bought him like a few weeks ago. And I put uh, one in uh, in a pot. The other one is still in the bag. Can I plant them uh, like in September in the ground? Uh, you can, but they're not going to make it through the winter time. Oh, really? Yeah, dahlias are not hardy here. They got to be dug up and then brought inside if they're the kind of the tuber type. In other words, oh, have a big I, root system, I, so they can't live oh, outside. Okay. Now, if I put the pot inside, it's fine? Yes. Okay. I put it in, uh, inside the room. My second question is, I have three plants of sunflowers. Uh, you know, I bought them. There is three plants per, uh, per the container. Somehow, maybe the woodchuck got into them, and he ate all the leaves. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And he came again. He tried to go to the flower, and he broke the stem. Ooh. So shall I keep them uh, in the pot or go ahead and plant them in the ground? Well, you could go ahead and plant them in the ground, but that's not a good sign that they're going to be able to recover from that, what's happened oh. to them. Oh, I see. Uh, third question is I have maple trees. In the bottom of the trees, there are about uh, three inches um, uh, gap, you know, like a hole, you know, I put my finger, my index was all the way down and was ants. So I sprayed the ants, it's gone. Shall I go and fill them with uh, with dirt or no. leave it as is? Just leave it as is. That's, okay. Days of old, they used to have, you know, antifungal type things and those things to fill like what you're talking about, 
holes and trunks and stuff, but that that's now no longer available. So a lot of times you create more problems than you do good by just, you know, best thing to do is just leave it alone. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your service. Have a nice weekend. Yes, you do the very same thing. Let's head over to Don's yard now. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have a problem uh, before uh, it gets any worse. I have an area where uh, I took out a lot of grass on the side of the house and some portions of the back. It's completely grass-free, and the person wants uh, to put some shrub in the place of it. The length of it is about 50 feet long and about 4 feet wide. It's, it's just on the side. It's more length than it is width, very short width. Right. And uh, uh, before we put any uh, shrub in, I would like to know, is it wise to put any uh, 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 garden fabric down or or black plastic, commercial plastic down to keep the weeds and the grass from coming back in the late in the near future? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, uh, and if I put any mulch down, I was told just use mulch. Cause it'll break down over the years, right? And don't use the and don't use the the black plastic. And uh, would would uh, how much would how much would need to be put down as far as how thick would it be? About three inches, three all inches, all the way down, level all level it all down. Yeah, two to three inches should be adequate. And then you go back maybe next year and add some more because the grass will probably go back through that uh, 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 mulch that that you put down. Well, I mean grass. it could it could grow through that, and you could use an herbicide to control it. But definitely don't do black plastic. And the landscape fabric does prevents weeds or grass from growing up through the bottom, but it doesn't prevent let's say seeds from blowing in on the top and then germinating. Right, yeah, that's, that is a problem. So, uh, so you, so just use the mulch, then, right. huh? Two inches and, of mulch, uh, two to three inches of mulch should be adequate. Okay, now is there a certain type of mulch better than others that I could put down, like a leaf mulch or a wood? Or what type of mulch would you suggest? Well, that's personal uh, choice. That's why you know St. Louis Composting offers so many different types of mulch. It's strictly your choice. And each one of them has its own qualities and its aesthetic as well as anything else. The one that breaks down the quickest is going to be the leaf mulch, and then the other types that have a wood base are going to be they'll they're longer live. Let's put it that way. It'll hold up longer, right? Right. I see. So, uh, but it'll cost more. It costs more than oh, the right. leaf Absolutely. mulch. Absolutely right. I see. Oh, all right then. Let's see. Well, uh, oh, oh, you put your plant in first, right? So. Yes. Right. Okay. Make sure uh, you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only eighty percent right. is deep. So the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Then after you get planted, then that's when you water it in and then put your mulch down. All right. I got you very carefully. All right, Dan. Uh, thank you. Sure. And I'll 
follow your instructions very carefully. All and right. thank you for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. And, Jim, if you could do it in less than a minute, that would be great. Okay, I hope I can right there. Uh, I have six rhubarb plants that we planted this year. Right. Uh, with man, good soil, everything like that. One of them died within two weeks. Another one's about ready to die, and two more look pretty sad. I got one out of the six that looks good. What's the problem? Uh, it's got to be the soil location and the, in combination with our goofy weather, so they just didn't get a chance to get themselves established. Mm, okay. Duck on it. <laughs> That's the third <laughs> time we put in rhubarb plants, and everyone, we just had bad luck with them. We're from further north, and all we do is dig a hole up there and right. throw them in there and grow. You know, right. Understandable. Well, thanks, Jim. But, and, yeah, I'm having trouble with rhubarb myself. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.